Cinebuds is supported by Associated Bank. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Oh, boy. Hi, everybody. Hey. From, from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee, I'm Justin Barney. From Milwaukee Film, I'm Christopher Pollard. From the Oriental Theater, this is Cinebuds Live! That is wonderful. Oh my God, what a crowd. Might I say, a beautiful one at that. There must be a thousand of you. (laughs) As far as the eye can see. So this is Cinebuds Live, and we are talking about the movie The Thing. Twelve men have just discovered something. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live. Inside. Where no one can see it. Or hear it. Or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an So, the thing... Uh, Christopher, could you give us a little synopsis about the movie that we just saw and the movie The Thing? Sure, I've just seen it. Uh, So I can tell you exactly what happens. This film is about Kurt Russell and his beautiful hair. (laughs) And how everyone tries to ruin it with jars of jam and Vaseline throwing at him the whole time. True. The film is about uh, Alien, as most 80s movies begin with an alien being dropped to the Earth. Uh, Then they're at a... And to an Arctic science station. Yes. Vaguely. True. With a lot of flame uh, flourish. And the aliens uh, get inside of you, pretend to be you, become you, and no one knows who's who. And then monsters. Right. That's it. Accurate description of the thing. That's right. Christopher, what did you what did you think of the thing, and why do you think that you know we're all here to see the thing? Why does it stand the test of time? Oh, just because it did. I mean, it's 40 years, and we've st- we're still watching it and talking about it. John Carpenter, his uh, heyday, it was the 80s. He had amazing movies in the 80s, and this was among them. And when it came out, it was a commercial and critical flop, which is the perfect recipe for a cult classic. Uh, also, it's disgusting, Here's what I think is amazing. Out of every gooey, disgusting, bloody thing that happened, you all freaked out when someone cut their thumb. (laughs) Under the thumbnail. I mean, I don't disagree with you. I did the same thing. Why the thumbnail? They could have gone anywhere. We saw eyeballs pop out. And a man's head turned into a spider. True. But someone pricked their thumb and the entire place went bat crazy. <laughs> that is true. I think that was a good sign. It's, 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 uh, it's also the heyday of movie monsters, latex and goo before everything was digital. Um, and I think some amazing masters worked on this film. Uh, and so I think that has a lot to do with it. I also think that uh, even as, like, I listen, it was great watching with everybody because listening to everybody laugh at those oh, parts God. that I was surprised other people would find funny um, was amazing. But it's also, underneath it, is also essentially a, like, Agatha Christie 
uh, uh, someone in this room has committed a murder. <laughs> it's got that a classic whodunit. Yeah, it's got that classic mystery vibe that is really nice, except and then also gross. I was watching. I was like, "Is this a western?" I think sure. At, at, like at some points, it is. I think the thing that that I really like about the thing, you said why, the thing, the thing, it's gonna the happen. The thing a lot. is, the the thing is, the thing that I like about the thing is that there is no thing. You know, it's like the thing, the thing is the friends that we made along the way. <laughs> you know, oh, isn't that true? You know, I, I mean, it's like, I think that the brilliance is that it's a monster movie and there's no like central monster. I think that for, like for every single, yeah, it's a bunch of tiny monsters, there's a bunch of tiny monsters, which is what makes it great because every single monster movie, the worst thing that it can do is show the monster. Most movies, like most monster movies, they, the, the build of it and the tension of it is that they're not showing the monster. The scary part is seeing the monster. The thing starts with an alien spaceship. It literally, it starts with that thing. It starts and it, it says, you know, by starting with the aliens, it's like immediately, you know, it's aliens. You know, the thing is aliens. Immediately from the very first thing that you see on the screen. And then because it's not... Because it's a monster movie without one central monster, it allows the thing to be a million little monsters. And so when the monster comes on the, theme, comes on the screen, the, you know, for most movies, the more that it's on the screen, the more familiar you get with it, the less scary it gets. And because it morphs every single time, it's like a whole new, it's a whole new, you know, opportunity for makeup for special effects to go absolutely nuts with it and it makes it scary each time and it makes it new each time the funny part is that i don't i mean i guess it's also looking back after you know from 2022 the monsters to me are cool mm. they're cool they're gross um, they're fascinating and genuinely when you look at some of there's the part where he's carving it like a turkey and he starts pulling oh stuff out God. the brilliant Wilford Brimley which I'm going to talk about at length very soon um you look at some of the parts they're beautiful and they, I mean not, they're disgusting but they're really nicely shaped and fascinating they're really good that part doesn't scare me the scary parts and this is why I love that they go back and forth are the times when you don't know who is what yes you know when they're in there when there's you know burning the blood and you're just waiting to find out and when one finds out Okay, now get me away from that guy. Yes. Those are the scary parts. I'm sure at the time, maybe the monsters are scary, but the monsters are just the cool part of it. That, and that is, uh, I think that's like, that's one of the best parts is that it, it doesn't build the tension on seeing the monster itself. The tension right. is like, who is the monster? In like, in a way, it's like a, a reverse Scooby-Doo. Oh, I it's, love it's, I love a reverse Scooby. It's too. like instead instead of going oh, up to a monster, monster right? and you <laughs> and you pull off the monster and it's a human, you pull off the human. Oh my god! And there's a monster. <laughs> Is anyone else imagining Scooby Doo differently right now? <laughs> like when they pull it off, like goo and strands and flesh comes with it. You just ruined my childhood. Well. I think that that is, I think that that is like the, you know, the way that it plays on the sense of trust on who is the monster, I think is like, is the central tension in this movie that's propelling it forward. I also think the thing that is brilliant about the thing is its tone, you know, is, is it a horror movie? 
it's horrific. Is it, you know, is it... It's a gross out. Is it a... And a mystery. Is it a comedy? Y'all were laughing. You know, you know, like we were laughing a lot. There's like, there's no reason to laugh that much in a true horror movie. Is it a, is it a whodunit? Is it a Western? It kind of like hits all of these things that I think are like really satisfying to a movie audience is like, it's serious, but it's not too serious. It's funny, but it's not trying to be funny. It's kind of like not trying too hard to be all of these things and it's kind of just like at the end just enjoyable because it's kind of none of those things and all of those things at once is it too soon i want to talk about the funny parts oh yeah let's do it let's we have some clips that we're that we're going to do that i think we both picked funny clips yeah because i think uh, i do think there's a lot of funny parts that aren't intended to be funny or they're funny in retrospect there is one moment that is definitely intended to be funny and even if it wasn't like laugh out loud funny intellectually i was watching this and i was thinking this is brilliant how they set this up and it's genuinely comic and of course it stars the i would say the finest stone-faced actor since buster keaton wilford brimley if you're not familiar with wilford wilford brimley he had diabetes (laughs) (laughs) wasn't sure if that was gonna go because i don't know how old you are but he starred in these famously famously he hawked insurance in the 80s, and he talked about his diabetes, and he had a beautiful mustache, uh, which I was sad to not be featured here. Last thing I want to say before we watch the first clip is there was a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie where it takes place in New Orleans. Does anybody know what that's called? God bless you, everyone, like everyone in unison. Uh, Hard Target, absolutely. And uh, he plays a Cajun, which is amazing because he doesn't do an accent really that great. But there's a moment where Wilford Brimley was riding a horse and shooting bow and arrow. Uh, It wasn't him, spoiler, but someone really had to pad up. And just the idea of Wilford Brimley shooting an arrow on a horse, I laughed so hard I thought I was going to pee myself. Anyway, uh, I'd like to show the first clip uh, of, from the film. Hey, Blair. Blair, have you seen Fuchs? I don't want to stay out here anymore. I want to come back inside. Funny things. I hear funny things Blair, out here. Have you come across Fuchs? It ain't Fuchs. It ain't pukes. I'm not gonna harm anybody, and there's nothing wrong with me. And if there was, I'm all better now. I'd like to come back inside. Now, you got my promise. We'll see. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute, man. I want to come back inside, don't you understand it? I'm all right. I'm much better. And I won't harm anybody. You gotta let me come back inside. Oh, that's good. So, so what the podcast listeners can't see is that that entire time there is a noose that is very, very visible in the middle of the screen. It's one of the best visual gags I've seen in a long time. The noose just being so well placed, just kind of subtly next to him. Subtly. <laughs> Here's why I say subtly. When we were all watching it together, I was like, no one's 
cracking up at this. Oh is anyone noticing God. the noose? The noose is just, he's clearly created a noose. <laughs> noticed, it's like on his face. <laughs> while very calmly explaining how he's fine and he'd like to come in now. When, we were, when I was a kid and we watched this, um, I, I mean, I wasn't 10 or anything, but when I was a teenager and we watched this, we would repeat that line over and over again. Uh, but you know how you change the dialogue in your head when you're a kid and you say, I, it, to me it was always, I'm fine, I would like to come in now. And then it, that was it. I didn't realize it was like a whole minute. It was wonderful though. And then they just like close, just slat, close it on them. Um, uh, I was thinking about, you know, I was thinking about the podcast and how you, you can't see you know, visual things and you're listening to the podcast and we'd be doing clips. And I was like, what are the best lines in this movie? And there are a best, there are a lot of best lines. And I picked a line that during the movie, no one laughed at. <laughs> but I think it's the funniest line because of the way that it's delivered. And it's the kind of thing that like, I will like say to myself, you know, when, when it's appropriate, which it never is, but... <laughs> I can't but, wait to find out how this is appropriate. Roll a very short second clip that I think is funny. Somebody got to the blood! <laughs> Somebody got to the blood! <laughs> you know when you're in that situation. <laughs> I want to know any situation that comes up where that's appropriate for you to scream. I don't know, but it's just like I'm brushing my teeth or something, and it's like, Somebody got to the blood! <laughs> That's you have my, gingivitis. That's it's just it's the delivery. It is. I will say this: when you told me you were going to do this clip ahead of time, and I was watching, I was like, I don't see anything funny. When you isolate it like that, that's what I'm saying. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, there's a second clip. Um, there's a second clip, and then we're going to get to audience participation. Um, so let's do let's do the second clip that I think is the I, that I think is genuinely the funniest line because of the way that's delivered, and everybody laughed. So um, <laughs> I think we agree. But let's let's uh, roll that footage. I know you gentlemen have been through a lot, and when you find the time. I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch! <laughs> yeah! Yes! Great line. Funniest line in the movie. I think we should do some final, some final quick thoughts. Okay, you want to do a final thought? I just, I, there's, I had a lot of thoughts while I was watching this. I just wanted to randomly throw them out there. And then I looked up some things. Uh, I want to again say that uh, Kurt Russell's beautiful. Kurt Russell... Most of this movie is just looking at Kurt Russell's hair. I mean, how can that hair be real? He's kind of a weird-looking, handsome man. He's got a very big, square head, and he's got tiny eyes. But I, every time I see him in a movie, I'm just delighted. Oh, my God. I don't even know if I know what his face looks like because I was just, like, looking at that hair the whole time. And he's got that hat with, like, the square hat. Like, I wish I could find that hat somewhere. He loves that. That guy loves that hat. I think the best actor in this movie is the dog. I mean, they get that dog to kind of like slink into the room and like look suspicious. Like the dog is acting. But I was really annoyed when they shot the dog with the goo gun. Yeah. Everyone, I feel like, was really tense during that. That, that dog was very uncomfortable. No, that was... I didn't was care dark, for that. A dark moment. I liked all those dogs. Um, oh, <laughs> uh, uh, back to Kurt Russell. Um, uh, apparently, uh, he was not the first choice. Uh, they they went past Christopher Walken was possibly going to be in this. Yeah. Oh my God! Could Feel free you to imagine? take a moment to just imagine the whole movie now with him in it. Oh my God! That's the reboot I would watch. <laughs> 
Did anyone see the remake that they made a few years ago? Yep, your groans, your groans are acceptable. Absolutely. Um, uh, Jeff Bridges was another one. That would have been great. Yeah, there was a handful of, they went through a lot of people and he had worked with uh, John Carpenter before, but John Carpenter was worried he's going to work too much with the same actor, but it turned out uh, wonderfully. But I was also, oh, this is the last thing. I'm very excited about this. Uh, so this is based, there's a movie in the 50s called uh, The Thing from Another World. And that was based on a book called... <laughs> Who goes there? <laughs> Which is amazing that we got from who goes there to the thing. Um, I looked up the, I thought it would be exciting. It would be kind of cool to read the book that this was based on. And oh yeah, sure, right? But then I found a portion of the book that someone had put online. And now I'm rethinking if I should read it. I'm just going to read it for you. I, I will say his one word review is yikes. The, <laughs> the huge blowtorch McCready had brought coughed solemnly. Abruptly, it rumbled disapproval, throatily. Then it laughed gurglingly. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to read that one more time. I'm going to read that again. No, I'm not going to read that again. Um, so that was awful. But there were seven adverbs in that small section. And also, I was reading it to somebody beforehand, and they pointed out how, how, how sexual it was. And I didn't even notice, because I was really upset by how many adverbs were in a row. Yeah, you can't even So I'm not going to read that book. But um, we are really glad you guys came out. This was so much fun to uh, share with the whole audience, and we would love for you to come up and here's some options. Share your favorite part of the movie. Uh, if you have any questions, we didn't make the movie, but we'll answer them. Or a question about Christopher Pollard. And yeah, if you have any personal questions. Band, Midnight Hour. That's true. I was in a band. Just try to imagine this leading a band. Lead singer. You're welcome. <laughs> hey! Where are the tapes? Um, but also, every once in a while, we'll do a themed episode. We did like weird movies, or well, sometimes we'll like focus on an actor. Or we a did time musicians. Period. Musicians in movies and was a really fun one. We're out of ideas. So if you have an idea for a themed episode, yeah, I've got a notebook. I'm but if you if you have any questions, if you just want to tell us your favorite part of this movie, anything you think about it, feel free. There's no one there yet. So we'll have to keep talking, but feel free to start lining up now. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Thank here we go. You. Up to the mic, nice and prompt. You had mentioned before this was fantastic seeing such a lousy print. <laughs> and you had mentioned before that it was something of a Frankenstein print. Is that what you now, said? I am, yeah. Could you, could you speak to that? Because it was really cool seeing a, a kind of a beat up old print. Uh, watching Absolutely. Uh, so I am not a, an AV guy, that's what I'm going to call it. Everyone's laughing at me right now. But they told me, I, was, I heard that they were calling it a Frankenstein print, and then I got a text from Kirsten before the film. She goes, you may want to, we saw it, you may want to address it ahead of time so no one's like, is somebody doing something wrong? But yeah, it's a couple of different prints that were patched together. You can see like some of it was very pink, and that had been faded, uh, and then it was attached to other sections that weren't as bad. Some were very scratched up. I, I went up to the projection room and saw it before, and projections, you know, kill me if I'm getting this wrong. Um, but there is like the, it's on several rolls of film, and so it must be when the, when one roll ends, and it was cool to see like when a roll ends and when another 
trailer begins because you like actually we got to see that process of like how long a roll is and then here's the other one and so those are like different like actual physical canisters of of film that I heard had been damaged by heat by not being kept in a like uh, climate controlled room. Yes, absolutely. And I know I said this at the top, uh, but I want to say once again, we have some of the best projectionists in the country. So big round of applause for our projectionists. And Joaquin, I apologize about all the phrases we're using that are very wrong. All right, next. Thank you. Hey, uh, I, I guess I, one thing I just you mentioned sharing experience. Oh, one, yeah. uh, I have this weird kind of theory percolating in my head. And anytime, uh, I, I pretty much have this idea that the thing actually really isn't like the bad guy. It's really about like human fear, you know, because we always see like the, the thing is always right. trying to like escape. He's never really trying to, like, you know, the, when they do the whole, like, expository program 3000, you know, where it's like, oh, it's going to take over the world, yeah. you know, like, like, you know, that's all, like, the human's idea. We're, 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 we're making that assumption about, like, the thing and stuff like that. And he's, he makes, he's making a spaceship, so he's obviously not going to the rest of Earth. He's, like, going out to space right. and everything. Because, like, like, that's not a bad point. He's trying to get home, probably, right? Yeah, to Thing he's, Planet. I don't know. Whatever it's called. <laughs> thing Planet. Thing Planet. I don't know. I mean, what's... Who goes, who goes there? Thing, thing Planet. planet. Yeah. It's a good... But uh, it's always... And then, because, I mean, you know, I've, I've read in interviews that Carpenter based it around, like, a lot of Lovecraft. And, you know, Lovecraft isn't about, you know, giant, like, Cthulhu monster. It's about, you know our fear of the under of not knowing what it is, you know? Yes. So, so I don't know. I just thought I, a weird theory. Oh my God. I, I, that is the perfect weird theory. Could you say your name? Oh, uh, my name's Matt, but people call me chops. So chops, everybody give it up for chops, honorary Cinnabud with an incredible theory that the thing is fear. Thought I'd share. Just thought I'd share. I like just it. No, I'd it's share. great. And then it does make sense. I couldn't tell if the, if the spaceship had, that was just what the scientists had found or if it was being recreated by the aliens. But either way, it is true. There's, it's just trying to hide out until it can go. Even yeah. said, he's trying to freeze himself I mean, I, until he can propagate. I, and I think that that so works because it's like the thing is never explained. And it's like, oftentimes, like, in this kind of movie, like, it, it, like, it doesn't need to. You know, like, do, does the thing need to be explained? No. You know, like, it's there. It's weird. It's gross. Like, we saw it the whole time. I think that that's, you know, that's a great point. Um, let's keep on moving. Dominic Webb, amateur filmmaker slash horror film student. Uh, Perfect. So when preparing to watch this film, I decided to actually watch the 2011 prequel. I'm sorry. I've also seen the original, like, 50s Thing from Another World film. Great film, by the way. Has little, has little to no resemblance to the Carpenter film, so it's really fun. So something that I find kind of interesting is... I don't know of any good prequel horror movies that I can think of. Like, because I was wanting to watch this film to see how it would carry over to the original Carpenter, which was only kind of cool, but the prequel's not great. So, so the 2011 one was a prequel. That the the concept that it was took place before the direct thing? prequel, like the events that take, like literally just the events that take place at the Norwegian base. Oh. See, I spared myself. I saw clips, and that was enough for me to stay away from the full experience. But I didn't know it was a prequel. I can't think of any. A when you started talking, I wasn't prequel. realizing 
thinking of prequel, I was thinking of remakes and I was remembering The Fly. And The Fly has, or both versions of that are amazing. Not the Eric Stoltz one, obviously, but uh, the uh, Jeff you know, Goldblum. You know, I think that question is bigger. It's like, are there any good prequels? It's, quite, oh, it's dead silent. <laughs> Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Rise of the Planet of the Apes is a good one. That's a very good point. There All we right. got it. Is that one of the more modern, modern ones or one of the originals? No, that's one of the modern ones. Like all okay. three of the modern ones are based Oh, that's true. Those were really well I did received. Find those very funny. All right. Thank you yeah, very much. I just want to, one last thing though. Sure. Because the prequels not. Like, it's not great, but I do appreciate how close the continuity they got to it. Like, they had to make sure that everything fit, from the axe in the door to the split face uh, thing right in front. I gotta commend them for that. It's not, a, right. it's not a great prequel. It's way too CGI heavy, yeah. but it's, it's not the worst. All right, you know... A reward the effort. Next year's, <laughs> next year's Cinebuds Live. We're going to keep doing versions of the thing. backwards. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dominic. Thank you very much. Hi. Dad, don't do the, the prequels. <laughs> it's basically the same movie. Well, that's Dominic's. It's going to be Dominic's fault if you, we do. You know the beautiful part about this movie where you get to see how the Norwegian base got to where it got, you know, that... That base is foreshadowing the entire movie, right? You get to see exactly what happens to the American base based on what they see at the Norwegian base. Well, imagine if you get to see that happening again, even though like you already saw it happen once. That's right. basically, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, do you guys have any thoughts on the video game sequel to this that uh, John Carpenter had input on and said is canon to this movie? I'm sorry, say that one more time because I'm very excited. Okay. So there is a sequel to The Thing that I think came out for, like, um, three generations ago for, like, GameCube, PS2. PlayStation 1? <laughs> PlayStation 1, there you go. That is, uh, according to John Carpenter, canon to this movie. Really? Yes, and it's, uh, he had creative input on it, too. You get to see who survives at the end. If Spoiler alert, uh, McCready and uh, Charles are both uh, human, uh, but Charles dies and uh, McCready survives. I was going to say, I don't know anything about this. I don't think that K-Poly knows anything I about don't. it. But it sounds like you know some things about it. Have you played it? I've played a little bit of it. It's like a squad-based game where you get um, researchers together with military uh, people. And um, it's not really a horror game-ish, but it's, uh, it's pretty good. Has anybody in the audience played it? Okay. Somebody over there? Can you give us a yay if it was good or a boo if it was bad? Yay. All right. We got a yay. Well, can, can we get some controllers down here? And can you find a <laughs> PlayStation 1 real quick? We're going to go to midnight. Hi, how are you doing? Good. I'm Robert Reinecke from wherethelongtailends.com and the Still Watch of the Skies podcast. 1982 was a seminal year for genre filmmaking. Have you considered uh, doing like a, a ranking of the films of the summer of 1982 for wow. the podcast? Oh, boy. Hold on. Let me get my notebook. <laughs> uh, if you could leave the stage, this is all me. <laughs> oh, God. I, Have you heard of the frog people? <laughs> oh, uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown? Hell Comes to Frogtown. What year was Hell Comes to I think that was... 
not quite the 80s maybe. All right, yet. go ahead. I've recently realized I'm a child of the 80s. I, my, my formative years were the 80s, and at the time, I hated them. I thought they were very ridiculous and shallow and neon and jams and whatnot. But, for, but now, at the age of 28... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. No, I'm in my 40s now, and then looking back, I have such an intense appreciation of the 80s now, and I, I now digging into the ones that I even missed when I was there. So what? So in 1982, what are the ones that you're thinking of? Uh, Conan the Barbarian. Oh my gosh. Star Trek II, The Road Warrior, Blade Runner, Poltergeist, E.T. Oh my god. Is that it? I'm sure there's some more I can think of. But that yeah. is pretty great. No, that is good. I have always been a fan, and I know I was just talking about the 80s, but 1979 for me has a lot of films that mean a lot to me. I've never shut up about Meatballs with, uh, with Mr. Bill Murray, and The Warriors is one of my favorite movies of all time. Absolutely. Oh, did you? Oh, I have a little Warriors tattoo even of the bottles. From the uh, come out to play, yay! Uh, <laughs> but yeah, 1979 has a lot. The 80s in general has a lot. Yeah, I would absolutely dig in on 82. That's wonderful. Thank you. We're gonna do that one. Thank you. Yeah, and if you get Milwaukee Film to do more screenings from a 1982 like this, that would be great. If I meet anyone from Milwaukee Film, I will talk to them about <laughs> that. Hi, thank you. Hi, so I have a question about the man who made it, John Carpenter. Hold on. This man looks like Kurt Russell. Oh, my God. Are you cosplaying? Is everybody seeing this? You have a leather jacket and beautiful hair. Hold up. Can you run up here for a second? <laughs> Hold on. We need, this man needs the spotlight. Holy shit. Is this Kurt Russell? Yes! He is here! We must kill him now. All right. What if when we, when we listen to the podcast back, we can't hear his voice because he didn't exist? <laughs> All right. I'm so sorry we made you do that. Thank you for coming up, though. So my question was, John Carpenter, he directed this film, and he also directed a film four years earlier called Halloween, if anybody knows about that one. He also scored that one. Why didn't he score this one? Because he's known for composing Oh, I do know the answer to this, uh, luckily, because my brain usually doesn't work. Um, They did, he did a lot with this movie that they ended up changing. They had to do a ton of reshoots, and apparently he did do the music, or he did some music, and it wasn't working. And then they had, and I didn't know this until I watched this, I, I previewed it a few weeks ago, Ennio Morricone does the music to this legendary icon. I, yes, and God bless John Carpenter, but if you have Ennio Mor- Morricone available, and when I noticed that I started... And it kind of is wild that it is John Carpenter and Morricone does the score because John Carpenter is so capable. I mean, it's like to have two of like the like great... You know, I do think, stories. yeah, I do think there was a lot of there's a lot of changes that happened halfway through. Uh, there's like the the McCready character wasn't even the main character originally. When they reshot it, he just sort of came to the foreground. But yeah, I think the music was a part of that as well, if I'm remembering correctly. But that's a great question. Wow, great! Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Hi. I got a couple things. Chops's Theory is a short story by Peter Watts. It was published in 2010. It's called The Things, and it's from The Things' perspective. 
Oh. Um, and it's about, I mean, he's trying to escape, or it's trying to escape. That How is many correct. adverbs do they use in this short story? That's going to be <laughs> really key for me. Not as many as the, whatever you out. read. I'll check but it out. One thing then with all the, what you said is the movie is quite sexual. It is. Continue. The body horror is quite sexual. Oh, that's true. I get it. <laughs> so... I, you said the story was sexual. I was like, well, the movie is pretty sexual, too, if you look at, you know, the wide mouth and the thing and the, you know. That's what I was going to ask. Is it mostly in the monsters that you yeah, see? Yeah, it's, it? it's the monsters. It's the body horror. It's kind of the phallus-looking stuff, you know. And then also I had an idea for your podcast. Ooh. Oh, great. Have you guys covered automobiles in America yet? Oh, <gasps> Crash would be one. The car. The car, yeah. <laughs> There's Christine, a lot of them. Christine, another John Carpenter movie. And then yeah, you can also down. cross that over to open road stories. Oh, and, that's uh, good. One film I recommend is Near Dark. I love Near Dark. Oh, uh, yeah, it's so good. I just, and it was very hard to find. Near Dark, if you don't know, stars the best face ever, Lance Henriksen. Uh, it's a, it's a Catherine... Bigelow. Bigelow. Thank you. I blinked on it. Catherine Bigelow. It's a vampire film from the 80s. It's really great. It was very hard to find online until just recently. I think it finally ended up on Amazon or something. But, oh, that's a great recommendation. I had to get it on VHS myself. Yeah, that's that's the best uh, format to watch that in, I would imagine. Thank you so much. That's a great recommendation. Near Dark, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Woo! Yeah, wonderful. Also, I would love to read that. Hey, how are you kids doing? Oh, we're hey, great. Good. Oh, thank you for calling me a kid. Hey, I'm the Cisco Kid. I support you guys, 88.9 and 91.7. Right on. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, since you like uh, William Brimley so much, uh should watch Cocoon. Oh, I've absolutely watched Cocoon. Anyways, one thing, I'm Native American, and two, this land is our land. Fantastic. This is walking Mar- at Milwaukee. Absolutely. Another thing. With a thing, you can't trust nobody. And plus, I didn't like how, like, uh, they give it up to two individuals who were actually the last individuals that was living. But, of course, they gave it up to your boy, Cut Russell, instead of the brother, because uh, he had more, uh, what they say? Uh, yeah, he they, was tempered. Yeah, they or, said something about oh, his yeah, 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 that, But down, be a black man. See how much temper we have. Keith David, this was his first... Uh, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying, legend. but you've seen uh, uh, no, the absolutely. other one um, with him and uh, Roddy Roddy Piper. Yeah, they live. And they still do live. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Give Thank you, up. sir. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Good. My name is David. I've been a volunteer at the fest, and I just want to say thank you very much for taking the time to do all this. This is really fun. Thank you for volunteering, too. That's of wonderful. Course. Yeah, so, you know, Given the past two years, I kept thinking this was like the classic pandemic movie. And I wanted to see what you both thought of that. Absolutely. We were talking about that, too. This is that, uh, well, actually, I love the beginning of this movie before even the monsters come in. It's a lot of like he's playing chess oh with a computer. Yeah. He's going nuts. Yeah. Apparently one of the deleted scenes is you see McCready with just hanging out with a blow up doll. And then, then some of the other cast was uh, growing weed in the back. So you really see how people just trapped in one spot for far too long and mm. they're uncomfortable. Yes. How that affects them. 
and actually you're right. And then it turns into, actually it really goes well with uh, the gentleman's theory about it being fear. You're trapped, you're alone. And then all of a sudden you're, you're alone with your thoughts. And also being like infected by something that you don't know what's happening yeah. and you don't know how it affects you. And, you know, and the, the fear and the finger pointing that that can, that that can cause, I think it's like, and I think that that is, that's a, that's a great point. And that's what makes it like great on the, like, you know, on the psychological level. Um, but also, and it's like, it's great if you want to, you know, if you want to dive into it like that, but also like it's, dumb <laughs> you know like at points <laughs> and it's like it's a perfect like it's a it's a perfect you know pandemic movie because there it's like if you want to turn your brain on and like really think about how the thing means so many things you can absolutely do that and if you are alone and want to think about that you absolutely can and if you are alone and you just want to turn your brain off the thing is great for that too thank you so much of yeah, course. Thank, thank you thank you hi how you doing uh yeah I'm good. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. So my favorite part from the movie was when uh, Norris, like, they found out that Norris was, like, one of the things. And, uh, like, they burned him alive and his head fall, fell off. And, and like... He grew spider legs and he went under the table. And then when they found like the spider head, they just kind of looked at it and it kind of just went past them into the other room. And that I just was thought the, that was really funny. That was the second best sight <laughs> gag. Absolutely, you're right. I like to call it human head spider or head spider, but spider head makes a lot more sense. That's a good shortcut for it. That was 100% a great part and 100% a great description. Absolutely. <laughs> I will say this. When I did not realize uh, they weren't looking at the spider head, because there's a moment where they're all just staring in this direction, and you think, oh, they're freaked out. Because well, they I thought, see well, I thought what was going to happen is I thought that the spider head was going to, like, the first time I thought this is going to be, I thought the spider head was going to, like, was going to go away, and then somehow, you know, it was going to, like, find its way back. And uh, I, I like I thought that's foreshadowing to something that's going to come back later in the future. But then you just see it running away. You just kind of see it like laugh, and then they just shoot it with a flame, and that's and they it. all very casually Which turn around. It's perfect. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Hey guys, I've been hey. loving the fest so far. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Thanks for coming. Um, I wanted to know if I'm sure somebody has like done a real intense takedown of this, but. If you guys have, like, a general theory of who got infected when. Oh, and when? Or in what order, maybe. Because I, I like that they leave it kind of ambiguous in that movie. That's one of my favorite parts is you watch it and, like, you still kind of don't know. Yeah. I, wanna, I thought that, it, like, my, you know, dummy brain was, like, it's just in, in order of how they find them which is probably not true. Well, I'll tell you that, that, yeah, I know what you mean. There's a probably, you're right, a point at which you, everyone's, someone out there has sat down and go, okay, with this point, when he was in this room, when they cut right. to this, uh, we are not smart enough to do that. No. However, I will say this. Me neither. Uh, <laughs> I will say this. I was very shocked that, who's the guy who, who, who handles all the dogs? Clark. Clark. I was very shocked 
it didn't really make not. sense to me that he never got infected Same. because he was alone with those monsters for such a long time. He was like like suspect number one for me. Yeah, I was like well, duh, you know, like that guy. Which gonna- I guess. It's too obvious to do, maybe, but it did seem like logically that it should be. At the end, I think the most fascinating thing is that the end, which I, and I don't think I mentioned this, I love the ending. I hate it when everything is like 100% wrapped up. That's not the point of this. I love the two of them sitting to just sharing a drink and being like, all right, this is it. They're going to die. Maybe one of them is infected, but it seems like at that point, if it was just the two of them, Mm -hmm. a move would have been made. But yeah, no, that's a good, I'm sure there is. A simple Google search will find us that <laughs> there's a chart out there for that for sure. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you Appreciate it. All right, two more. Hi, how's it going? Hey. Hi. So uh, I'm a student at UWM uh, film right now. Right so uh, being able to see this in 35 millimeter and like being able to talk about it is a real treat. So I'm really excited to be here. So uh, I kind of consider myself uh, like a connoisseur of gross, wet animatronics. You're in the perfect place. <laughs> and oh man, I had such a great time watching this. But um, I would love to hear uh, any like any of your import or recommendations or um, like uh, ideas for. Any other movies with gross, wet animatronics? Oh, I've got a good one. Okay, okay. Now, yeah. I'm not sure if... I don't recall if it has animatronics. I, I'm sure it does. But we were just talking about... We were talking about how gross this movie was the other day. And uh, have you ever seen the movie Dead Alive? Ooh, I haven't, but I've yeah. heard of it. Why would I ask that question to this audience? Uh, I saw that when I was like 20, and I was like, how many cans of Campbell's tomato soup are available to a human being at one time. It was the orangest blood I've ever seen, but it did, it was the first time I watched a movie and thought, oh, I might throw up. That's so gross. Uh, I do love that. I mean, any, I will say this, if you're looking for that, just focus on 1980 through 1989. (laughs) That is the best era for this kind of stuff, for sure. Yes, do we have a, Oh, we have recommendations from the audience, which is probably even better. Stuart Gordon, definitely. Oh, Reanimator and From Beyond. Yeah. Ooh. Reanimator. Ah. Yes. Over here? Uh, something I just realized. Uh, so there's this film called Harbinger Down. And Harbinger Down? Yeah, the same people who, So originally, tw- the 2011 Think prequel was going to have practical... Uh, couldn't have practical effects, but they decided to cover it up with CG. So the people who are going to do the practicals... Uh, out of probably just past progressively made this uh, film that's almost exactly like the thing with practical effects. And, I and it's called Harbinger it. Down? Uh-huh. All right. I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen clips and it looks amazing. <laughs> but yeah, focus on the 80s, but yeah, you're going to find a ton. But, was, but that's, what the, that, that's what makes this movie special, though. It's like, it's just such a... It's like, it's that time, that era, like those special effects, like at the max. Yeah, they're going insane with them. They are. And it's like, and and because, and I, you know, because the thing is so many things, it's not limited to being like, let's create one monster and have that monster do everything. It's like, it just is special effects. This is like a showcase for that kind of thing, the whole movie. I actually that's a great that would be a great theme episode what, what to the, do what, by the way. What was the movie we watched? It, yeah, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, the movie that came out last year with the thing in the back of her head. Oh, Malignant. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was the most recent one that was that like that. That made me laugh a lot. Am I wrong? The the arm situation was very funny to me. 
That was wonderful. But yeah, honestly, I'm going to be thinking about this for a lot, a lot now because. But I, I think that would be a great theme it. episode. Oh, I would be looking forward to it. Yeah, Thank absolutely. you so much. Thank you. What's, what's your name? Uh, my name's Helena. Helena. Thank you. Hi. Hi. I have never seen the thing before this. Only saw the Pingu version. So this was a fun treat. Oh, the pink version? Is that what you're saying? No, the Pingu version. The little clay penguin. Oh. Yeah, a man. What? Yeah, uh, so there's about a three-minute summary of the thing, but it's all clay animated. I know, I'm short, sorry. (laughs) It's it's all clay animated, and it's all Pingu characters, that little newt-newt penguin. This is fantastic it to is. discover. You're saying this like we should know, but we both definitely don't know. But Did I mention I'm 47? <laughs> it's okay. I'd never seen Pingu either. Okay. It was banned from YouTube. <gasps> it was, so just look it up on Google. I want to see it right. so bad now. <laughs> it's really cool. Look it up after this. But something about this movie really just hits with the cyclical nature of the event and the violence the Norwegians having the same exact experience as the American group. I've seen movies that have that same kind of thing, but it really just, it hits different. It's nice when you can see that it's going to happen again. It's a cyclical nature kind of thing. Like those disaster movies where it's like, where they show you like, oh, this is going to spread to the whole world unless we get it now. And so you, but you see the cycle happen over. Also, this is like a, this movie is a, become a wonderful trope for like TV shows. Uh, there's a ton of TV shows that have like the Die Hard episode, but there's a The Thing episode, like X-Files has that. But that kind of storyline, uh, did anyone see the X-Files episode that is essentially The Thing? Yes, absolutely. But yeah, they have those those it's become sort of like a I'm sure that it happened before but it's become that 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 story that can be repeated over and over again but yeah the cycle of it is wonderful and then just a recommendation I have never listened to the podcast or anything I'm new to a lot Please of this leave. <laughs> I will after just this I if you haven't done Killdozer yet the sto- do you not know Killdozer? I don't know Killdozer. There, it's a real, based on an entirely real story, there's even a documentary about the man who did it. I watched it's the about, documentary, but I did not watch yes, the fictional it's version. It's about the man who just kind of went overboard, built a giant bulldozer tank thing, and destroyed a town. Didn't kill anyone. Just destroyed the town. Took out his enemies. I do Took know out, what you're talking yeah. about. Now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But it's... Insane. I feel like it would be a real fun watch. <laughs> the the documentary was like, I cannot believe that this guy put in all this much time just to enact his revenge. And like, it was so petty. It's like, you have to respect the pettiness of this man. So, Listen, yes, thank I you. love revenge. I'm a big fan of it in theory. I don't do oh, it personally, right. but in movies, I think it's one of my favorite things. What's your name? Leslie, that's Helena's my girlfriend. Oh, wonderful! Well, I'm glad Leslie you both Elena. came. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, and that that wraps the audience. I think that we should do a quick what else we've been watching. Sure. Or the way that we end the podcast is we talk about what else we've been watching um, aside from the movie that we just watched. Um, and I do have like two quick things that I want to mention. Go for that it. I want to touch you. you do you go. want to do first? No, I want you to go first. Okay, so we're big we're big fans of Greek Weird Wave. And I watched, did you, 
the the godfather of Greek weird wave, Nico Papadakis. Hello. Hello, Nico Papadakis. Like all the the weird wave directors say that this guy and this movie, The Shepherds of Calamity, that came out in like Greece in like 1963 or something like that, was um, was like the movie that inspired Greek weird wave. And I watched that movie and it was very good. Oh, that sounds good. If you don't know the Greek weird wave, it's a, it's almost just two people, but uh, it's yeah. not. Yorgos Lanthimos, who did uh, Lobster and all those wonderful movies, and uh, Athena Sangari, who did, um, who did uh, the, oh no, it's happening again. He did those movies. She did a wonderful movie that is, I'm blanking on, but it's just wave of uh, wonderful Greek directors who do these kind of absurd and very quirky uh, but intense films. I really love it. And it very much was like the beginning of that. And we have in the festival uh, sort of the tail end of the Greek weird wave. There's a film called Apples. I highly recommend. It's very sweet, actually. Kind of a sweet movie, but uh, it has a very strange concept, so I I highly recommend. And then I've been watching a TV show, uh, This Flag Means Death. Our Flag Means Death. Our Flag Means Death. (laughs) Thank you. You got corrected. Um, Our Flag Means Death is so funny. I have seen a couple episodes. It is so... You haven't seen it? I have seen it. Oh, you have seen it? It is just, you know, it's so good. The perspective is so great. It's like pirates who are not great at pirating, but also they are because they're just, they achieve all the things that they want to achieve just in an unconventional way. And I think that it is so funny. It's on HBO. It's a Taika Waititi. Oh, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah, I love him. All right, my last one is of, uh, what else have you been watching? This is not something I've watched yet. This is something I'm going to watch, I think, tomorrow night. But this crowd in particular, I think, would be really interested. It's a film at the festival. It's at midnight. If not tomorrow, it's in the next couple of days. called The Hatchling. Oh, yes, uh, Audible. Ooh, highly recommend. It's a Norwegian horror film. If we are showing it at midnight at any point in this festival, it's because it's messed up. So I really hope, I'm going to do the intro for it, so I hope you'll join me there because I'm very excited. It's, it's from the films I haven't seen in the festival, it's the one I'm most excited about. So The Hatchling. All right, and we're wrapping this up. We got to do the credits. We uh, Cinebuds is edited by DJ Kenny Perez. DJ Kenny Perez! Our theme song is from Milwaukee musician Brett Newski. He calls himself the Noosk, or maybe I only call him that. We get uh, support from Associated Bank. Thank you, Associated Bank. We also get support from our members of Radio Milwaukee and Milwaukee Film. Thank you. And thank you to one other person. There's one other person that I would like to thank. The Kurt Russell to my demon jumping out of a chest and cutting off arms, Christopher Pollard! What? Stop it. You stop it. That is it. We are Cinebuds. Um, Follow us on Instagram and follow us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search Cinebuds. And that's it. Thank Thank you, everybody. Give yourself a round of applause. Woo! Thank you so much. You have a good night.